Hey, my liturgists, welcome back to Liturgy and Lore. This is Pastor Andy. And I'm Brother Evan. And today we have an out there wild episode that I would guess some of our listeners have never even heard of the topic before. We're going to be talking about a mystery figure in the Bible named Melchizedek. And since there are no puns that I could think of related to Melchizedek, <laughs> let's just jump into the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to Liturgy and Lore. This is Pastor Andy, as always, with Brother Evan. Uh, it's good to be back with you. Brother Evan, how you doing? I'm doing well. It took us 20 episodes deep till we finally got you stumped on one of these with uh, no pun. Uh, so, <laughs> Are we really 20 in? I think this is, if you don't include our teaser, we're at 20 episodes uh, with wow, this one that's, that's dropping. Wow, that's a big milestone. So, yeah. Okay. That's, so that's exciting. I am in a good mood with that. I'm excited to have you back on the show. Um, that was going out of my comfort zone with last week's that dropped. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I look forward to doing some future creature features, but uh, it'll be good to get you back in the driver's seat and get me back <laughs> as a co-pilot on this one. Well, I think you did great last <laughs> week. It was pretty awesome listening to it. I was walking around. Um, I was in Richmond all week for seminary again. At Shout out to Grimkey Seminary. So I was super busy, but it was fun as I was walking around because we get an Airbnb and stuff. I was uh, and have to walk to class. I was listening to my brother tell me about Michele Membe or Bembe <laughs> the whole way through. So good job, Brother Evan. I Thank appreciated you. it. Thank and you. it also gave me a chance to not fail school. So <laughs> Hey, whatever I can do to help the cause. <laughs> yeah. And uh, since we're talking real quick about my seminary, the pretty fun story. Well, one, while we were there, a bunch of my fellow students, my classmates, were. Uh, I was wearing the, um, the teaser swag. And I wore some of it to seminary. So a couple students were saying, you know, Oh, I listened. I've been listening to the podcast. I like the podcast, which is cool, but that's not the main story. <laughs> main story is uh, this didn't even happen to me. It happened to two of my friends who are graduating. They had a graduation dinner uh, with the professors, and they came back and they were laughing and they said, "Andy, we just talked to Professor Laughlin, who's one of our professors and uh, one of the founders of the school, and he said he was talking about your podcast, and they were laughing. So I was like, oh, gosh, what do you say? What did he say about my podcast? This is a professor of mine at seminary. He listens to my You're about Bible. You're get kicked out. Well, I found out he doesn't listen to it, but his wife listens to it. So Mrs. Laughlin, thank you for listening. And apparently, this is what he said. This is how they told the story. They said, yeah, he said, yeah, my, my wife listens to Andy's podcast, and she comes home, or, or I come home, and she says, what do you think about Bigfoot? You know, he makes a pretty good case for it. And I just tell her, we're not talking about that right now. So I'm glad you guys listened to the podcast and that it's at least being talked about in your house. And hopefully this will now, she will show him this part of the podcast and he'll have a good laugh about it. But I love Professor Laughlin, one of my favorite professors there. I had both of my classes with him this week too. And I, I kept forgetting to bring it up during class. But yeah, it was pretty fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Liturgy and lore. We're bringing conversations to Darren tables around the world. Around the world, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he he put the kibosh on the conversation. So, you know, maybe I can shame him into listening by, by joking around on the, <laughs> on the podcast. Anything you want to talk about before we jump into some of our stuff today, Brother Evan? Uh, nothing too much. I'm just in a really good mood tonight. Uh, we're getting into the holiday season here. Uh, yeah. We're recording on 11-17, uh, and we're actually putting our tree up tomorrow. We usually wait till after nice. Thanksgiving, but the girls in the house, all of them want the tree up. So between my wife and my daughter, they've been getting on me to get the tree up. So tomorrow we're going to spend the whole day Christmifying our house. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in that same mood. I, I'm, I used to always be strict after Thanksgiving Christmas person, but 
around COVID somewhere, I, I said, you know what? Life is short. I'm going to enjoy Christmas when I want to enjoy it. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I anticipated the birth of Jesus a yeah. few days early. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> so I was feeling the same way last week. So we went to Hobby Lobby and we got like some Christmas puzzles, me and the girls, and uh, got shout out Hobby Lobby if you want to sponsor us, you can. <laughs> but that was free. And we got some stuff. I was like, what can we do? So we got some kind of wintry fall decorations that weren't quite all the way Christmas, like some pine tree stuff. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I'm re- And we watched our first Christmas movie of the year. And I'm blanking on what it was we chose to watch. But we watched one of them. We've been watching The Grinch on repeat in our house. Oh, we watched The Santa Claus because The Grinch was the other one we were thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Ray is a huge fan of the animated Grinch, the new one that the came out. The old school one. The oh, old the school new one, one scares new. her a little bit. She calls that the scary Grinch. Yeah. <laughs> so that's scary Grinch. But the new, well, newer one that came out a couple years ago has been yeah. on repeat without, I can't watch anything else if she wants to be in the room with the TV on right now. <laughs> so I awesome. love that she's into Christmas though with it. It's fun. Yeah. We, we are definitely both, the Liturgy Brothers are big Christmas and especially Christmas movie yes. people. So we'll start working those into some of our, our content here. And I, we should do a, a holiday special episode. So any ideas you have for the, the Christmas special, let us know, listeners, yeah. liturgists. Uh, we'd love to add that stuff in. So Merry Christmas early to everyone. And you'll be listening to this. It will be the day before Thanksgiving, I think, yep. when this drops, right? So yep. happy Thanksgiving. And uh but I think without further ado, we should get into a little Weird Around the World. Weird Around the World. All right. Let's uh, start with the first one here. Uh, well, let's. what do you want to start with, Brother Evan? Dealer's choice here. Let's hit the more serious of the two first, because I'm excited to... I didn't get to read the entire article, Cards on the Table. Um, so I'm excited to hear a little bit about this one. From Vice? Yes. That one? Yes. Yeah. So Vice News, which is far from like a conservative Christian news publication, has this headline. A prehistoric pyramid may have just rewritten human history, scientists claim. And here's the kind of subtext underneath it or subtitle. The pyramid, and I'm going to butcher this name, but I think it's Gunung Padang or Gunung Padang in Indonesia began construction in the deep past, a new study claims, and was built by an unknown ancient people. So here's the real Cliff Notes version of the Cliff Notes version, because this article is not super long. But basically what happens it happened is there was a there's this famous pyramid called Ganung Padang. And uh, it's, it's kind of commonly been thought to be like 2000 year, years old or so. Um, that was kind of the common estimate. But then a geologist named Danny Hillman Natawijaja, sorry for all these names, <laughs> He claimed that the site was older, like much older. And actually, he claimed it was the oldest standing pyramid in the world or uh, oldest discovered pyramid in the world, dating back thousands of years, even before the Djoser Pyramid, which is the oldest one in Egypt, even before like the Great Pyramids. And so when that happened, the president of Indonesia set up a task force, which sounds pretty cool. Uh, anytime you have a task force, yeah. it just sounds cool. One day I want to start a task force. Sounds very Parks and Rec, though, to me every time I hear that. It sounds that's like a true, Leslie Nope thing true. to do. <laughs> Either that or like Jack Bauer. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe not. Yours um, is a way cooler thought than mine. <laughs> yeah. But so they paid him to set up this task force to study the pyramid. And now they're releasing their findings in, this was last month as a, so yeah, October. They released their findings in a peer-reviewed journal in archaeological prospection 
which is, I guess, the name of the journal. And here were their conclusions. They concluded that the oldest parts of this pyramid are 27,000 to 16,000 years old based on a range of tests. That's pretty crazy. So it now makes it the oldest surviving thing that we have that's like or pyramid that we have. And it means it predates the earliest known civilization. So that means there's a civilization way older than we are aware of based on how they date date things and we're i want to do an episode one day on like that involves radio like uh carbon dating and all Mm. that and some of its errors for sure but still cool nonetheless what do you think brother evan yeah i mean i think it's always cool when there's something found really old that is like engineered Mm -hmm. just because it kind of helps to prove the idea that like ancient peoples weren't dumb that they weren't just out there smacking rocks together getting lucky to get fire now i know that this isn't as far back as what some people would say that is i'm just using a drastic example for that but still anytime you can find something that's like showing civilization and a thoughtful building of something impressive like that that's older than what anyone thought it has to shift everyone's thinking whether you want to or not whether you know i mean you're in the camp or not you still at least gotta think about it yeah you mean at least gotta take it into consideration and i do have a question i think you were starting to go there a little bit and this isn't a young earth episode or anything like that. So I don't want right. to go too far down the rabbit hole, but what do you think? Cause I have a feeling this is where my brain goes away. And I'm sure we have listeners that kind of go down this too. As a pastor, when you see something that's saying, Oh, this is 27,000 or 16,000 years old. You know what I mean? How does that yeah. fit into a biblical worldview or like a young earth worldview? I should say. Sure. Without making it the Young Earth episode here. <laughs> yeah, that's why like, it's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> I am a Young Earth creationist personally. Uh, that's the view I hold to. But I think there could be gaps in some of the, the genealogies and things. I don't think their main goal is to tell us every person along the way necessarily or every date. It's not meant to be that way. It's meant to show us a genealogy and how mm-hmm. far things have gone. There's also some debates even in fragments from what I've seen and I'm not an expert on this and like Septuagint dates versus Hebrew dates and things that those dates may not altogether be a hundred percent we we may have some questions there put it that way so I'm a young earther meaning but I also don't think we can necessarily date the age of the earth based on using different numbers in the bible which some young earthers say like oh it's exactly 6,400 whatever years old and I say I don't know that we can do that it might be I think what I mean when I say young earth is that there was no death before the fall, either animal or human, mm. no sentient life dying, because I think death comes in as a result of the fall. Right. And so that means there was not billions of years of evolution. There wasn't a whole long time before humans stepped on the earth. I think humans were on the earth from pretty much the beginning, and there was nothing dying until the fall. So that's what I mean by young earth. And I mean, you know, probably 6,000 years to maybe, I don't know, a number, 20. Yeah. I'm just putting a, throwing a random number. Right, right. What I mean is it's not billions of years old, in my opinion. And that's like the key in your head. Yeah, right. That's the key in my head that I look at it from. So could it be 27,000? I guess so. I, I have that hard to believe. But what I do think it shows is because if we're dating these things, and I think it does show that there was an advanced old civilization mm-hmm that is kind of lost to, or maybe not lost to history. You know, my view of reading Genesis is that that was pre-flood. 
that there right. was like a golden age pre-flood or pre maybe pre-Babel uh Tower of Babel there were some things going on on this planet that seemed to suggest some pretty high levels of technology in Genesis and I'm like hey maybe this is them so that's the my short answer but not all that short answer yeah I didn't I knew that that was kind of a loaded question to ask but I feel like yeah. that's when you're looking at dates and that sort of thing especially when we're looking at things from a Christian perspective and our audience knows that just a, a question I wanted to have you dive into a little bit. Yeah, so this is a cool article. I think it's it's interesting. This uh, particular pyramid, I believe, based on the picture and what I remember of the name, is one of the ones, if anybody has seen Graham Hancock's Ancient Apocalypse on Netflix, it's he talks about this site in that show, which is a great show, by the way. I'm sure there are a lot of, actually, I know there are a lot of inaccuracies and things that are taken out of context, but I'd rather people watch something like that and get their mind expanded to alternative views of history than not watch it, Mm. because there's nothing harmful in there, in my opinion. Wow, we were all over the place on this article. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, the exciting thing when something like this is found, because it does open up a lot of conversation in a lot of different directions that you want to go, you know what I mean, you want to go with it, because it might make someone think differently about, yeah, just a lot of different things with building and uh, civilizations and who lived where and how old they mm-hmm. were. You know what I mean? It's yeah, that's really yeah. cool. So like, that was our serious one, serious as in pretty cool and serious academically, not serious as anything kind of yeah, nothing scary or or because we had some dark ones lately, but not dark. The next one is just a little crazier, but it fits. We should have read this one a couple months ago in our hot alien summer. This one is <laughs> let's see from the Daily Wire. I love the title of this one. It makes me laugh. (laughs) Here we go. Goldie Hawn claims she had encounter with extraterrestrials. They touched my face. (laughs) That's the (laughs) colon. They touched my face. So this was from October 30th this year. um, And it's exactly what it sounds like. There is a story in here about Goldie Hawn, the the actress. And she told a story about how when she was 20, she thinks she interacted with aliens i don't know how else to say it she <laughs> she said she was taking a nap during filming uh, or as a dancer that's what she was and it was rehearsal so she took a little nap in her car and uh all this stuff started happening to her she had like her ears were ringing she saw all these uh, two or three triangular shaped heads staring in the window of her car they sound like grays as she goes on to describe them she was paralyzed yeah. she had a, an episode of of sleep paralysis and then she says <laughs> She goes back to all the other kids and she's telling them what happened. She thinks it was a dream. And then she says, oh, my gosh, I think I made contact with outer space. (laughs) Thought it was a dream. And then other people were telling their stories. And she said, they touched my face. They touched my face and it felt like the finger of God. It was the most benevolent, loving feeling. This was powerful. It was filled with light. And as others shared their stories, she thinks maybe hers was real and not a dream. So that's the whole story. It's a short one, but. Brother Evan, thoughts on Goldie Hawn face touching <laughs> by aliens? Yeah. Well, on a quasi serious note, it is interesting. We're laughing about it, but like with her just saying about it felt like the finger of God. It was the most benevolent, loving feeling. It was filled with light. Like that's not typical mm. to a lot of the, at least the ones that I've read, encounters that people had. And I think in our episode on encounters, this is kind of contrary to a lot of those where it's not that the intent does not always feel good when they are having encounters with them. So that's interesting that that's her takeaway from it. I feel like it's very different. Yeah. 
and also i don't know this one i don't know if i'm it's her story i'm i wasn't there i can't say it's not true but i am not gonna say i'm sold on it <laughs> it sounds like she was just really really tired uh it might have had some crazy dreams in there but like i said there's nothing that i can say that can prove it wasn't real but yeah definitely a good laugh and interesting but uh what are your thoughts on it yeah i mean without going all the way back into my thoughts on aliens in general uh, right. i'm talking about this one i think could be real she has some things that are kind of classic and some as you said are not but i have heard other people say that it was a good good feeling um that's kind of the feeling though from what i've read from people who have more like dmt trips or like yeah astral projection they have like good feelings about these creatures at least for the first few times and then it gets real dark or they get like these creatures kind of start to change almost like gremlins or something <laughs> and so i think maybe she saw something maybe it wasn't aliens maybe it was something else a little bit i don't know though i don't want to uh, i do know that it whatever it was probably not was was not the face of god and was not a good thing yeah it, it was masquerading as a good thing is my guess but that's about as far as I, i'm really willing to go on my thoughts on that because yeah there's no evidence one way or the other on it so like that's what i'm saying like i don't want to like sit here and blast her yeah. for being a liar or and, something like I don't, I don't know, know. anything about her other weird. than who she is like as like i've seen her and i know she's in movies i don't know if yeah. she's like a nut job or if she's pretty serious <laughs> of a person i don't know so but it's still kind of right. fun to me the reason i picked it is other than it was a funny headline and weird around the world is I, I do think it's cool that like at least in one sense these things are being talked about more and this is a famous actress coming forward and telling her story now again i don't know if she's a crazy famous actress or actress or a very reasonable normal one i have no idea i don't know anything about her so that's one of the interesting things too though is is that it's she was around 20 when it happened and she has never quote unquote told the story yeah. until now and she's 77 right so that is a lot of, I mean, that's more time passed in that than I've been sure. alive. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's always something too that makes me, again, doesn't mean she's lying or it could be a one hundred percent true, but makes me pause. Yep. Yeah, me too. And well, it does both for me in a weird way. It makes me pause, especially now that it's like popular. Yes, it makes me pause because what has she forgotten and why did she wait so long? Two, though, it makes me like maybe this is real because if you were trying to just get attention and make something up, why would you say it was from 20 years ago? You know, like, or not 20 years ago, 57 years ago. Why wouldn't you just say, oh, this just happened to me? You know, like, if you were yeah. just purely speculating and making, or not speculating, purely lying. The other thing is, well, it kind of lends credence to, she knew this was weird, and so she sat on it. Yeah. Like, she wasn't just, right. like, blabbing this to every news outlet. So you're like, oh, that... She was careful about careful about this, uh, so I don't know. I have no thoughts other than that. <laughs> it doesn't really. <laughs> it's just matter. a funny title yes. to an article too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's it for our weird around the world. Any last thoughts on those, brother Evan? Before we move on, no. Uh, let's uh, dive into our topic for tonight. I'm excited to see where we go with tonight's episode or today's episode. For whenever you guys are listening, it's one that I was not super familiar with before. Pastor Andy brought it up as a topic to hit so this will be a fun one tonight cool so yeah tonight we're going to talk about melchizedek and now i always say it wrong i always just lean in and say melchizedek and i know it's not right but if i say that just it's the pennsylvania dutch in me it's the yeah <laughs> but it's melchizedek say it with confidence and everyone yep, will believe melchizedek <laughs> so let's talk about who this guy is because i'm guessing 
most of you, or at least many of you, have never heard this name before. So he's a Bible character. That's who he is. Interestingly enough, this is kind of cool. If anyone is a reader of Lord of the Rings, Tolkien, I have heard it said, I don't know how accurate or how true it is, but that the weird character Tom Bombadil, uh, have you ever read the, the, oh, I'm making a lot of connections right now as you're saying that, like that, yeah, I'll let you keep talking, but yes, I am familiar with Tom Bombadil. And I'm, my mind's kind of being blown a little bit right now as you're saying this, and you haven't even said well, anything the, yet. Well, the idea that Tolkien <laughs> wrote Tom Bombadil, he wanted to put a Melchizedekian or Melchizedekian-type character into Lord of the Rings. So if you've read those books, you already have an idea that Melchizedek is this mysterious character. He's uh, come, kind of comes in and out of the story. He's sort of divine, maybe? Like, what, we don't really know. Does he have, is he human? Is he not? It's sort of ambiguous. And so I guess a good place to start is where he's first introduced, which is Genesis 14. To get to the story a little bit, so Abram, who becomes Abraham, and I'll probably call him Abraham most of the time in this story, he is basically going to rescue his his nephew, I had to think how they were related for a second, named Lot, from the king of Sodom. That's, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, those two cities. There's also the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, and they're all there's this big battle that happens, and Abram wins. He takes some of his people, and they take all the possessions back. They get all this stuff. They they rescue Lot, and things are good. There's a cel, you know, it's celebratory. This just happened, and so it says this starting in this is Genesis 14, verse 17, and after his return from the defeat of. Chedorlaomer and the <laughs> nailed kings, it. Yet nailed it. Who were with him? The king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, or Melchizedek, sorry, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, "Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand." And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, uh, Let's see, that part doesn't matter as much. But basically, this guy just walks in. He's a priest of God Most High. And Abram gives him money (laughs) and stuff. (laughs) And he gets a special blessing from this guy named Melchizedek. Meli Mel, as we might call him. I think that's what his friends called him. So... And that's it. He like pops in and he pops out. So what's weird about that? Well, other than he just shows up, almost all of the characters in the Old Testament, especially in Genesis, when they're introduced, they're introduced by way of their family. Okay, so they're introduced like this is this person's son and this person's son and this person's son. Genealogy kind of stuff, right? None of that happens with Melchizedek. He just pops in. Like there's no intro. There's nothing. It just says this king of Salem comes out and brings bread and wine. And he's a priest. So he's also a king and a priest, which isn't super normal. But here's what's really crazy about it. The priesthood hasn't been introduced yet. Yeah. Right? Like, so were there pagan priests at this time? Probably. But this is not a pagan priest. Right? It's, right. it's, it's a priest of God the Most High. It's, it's a priest of Yahweh. And he's the king of Salem, which is Jerusalem. So that's what his title is. King of, he's the king of, of Jerusalem or Salem. Right. Peace. Shalom. It's the same word. And so... This is a passage that rightly kind of 
boggled the minds of rabbis and scholars throughout kind of the history of the Jewish people, right? They're like, who is this guy, Melchizedek? And he disappears again. There's no end to it. He just kind of goes away. Very, You see the Tom Bombadil. Yeah. They kind of show up, celebrate with him. He brings them wine and bread. They give him tithes and he blesses them and on their way. <laughs> yeah. In the words of the great classic Cotton Eye Joe, where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Melchizedek. Right? Like, it doesn't ring as true. Man, but... <laughs> I feel like you could have used that as your pun or something in the beginning. I should have. Yeah, man, we missed it. <laughs> missed opportunities. We also know that his name, Mel- Melky, or, or I'm not, I'm terrible, or Melk, sorry, is like king or royal or royalty. And Zedek is righteousness or righteous. So he's the king of righteousness or the righteous king. Or it could be my king is righteous is kind of what his name means. So it might not even be a real name. Right, it might be a title. There's um, I can't remember. I'm blanking, and I should have wrote it down. There's a evil being who is called the king of wickedness or vile, and it uses that same Melchit, and then has another word after it. I can't remember. Mm. I'll have to find that for our our recap next episode. So it could just be a title. It might not be a person's name. Anyway, so we got that first time he's introduced. Then he's randomly introduced again. The next time we hear about him is Psalm 110. And this is a verse that is probably, I believe it, I've heard it say it's the most quoted psalm or quoted Old Testament passage in the whole New Testament. So it's a pretty popular psalm. It's all through the book of Hebrews. There's some cool stuff in here that actually Matt Foreman, when he was on our show, talked about when it says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Oh, yes. Right? Until I make your enemies your footstool. Like, who is he talking to? This is David writing, and he's talking about the Lord talking to his Lord. What? Like there's two (laughs) Yahweh figures here. Um, But then in verse four, it says, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are my priest or you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So it's still talking about this Lord who says to the other Lord, this is what the Lord is saying to the Lord, right? (laughs) To get confusing, confusing here. He's swearing an oath to him. He's swearing to whoever this second God is, not a second God, second God figure. There you go. (laughs) Which we know is the angel of the Lord or Jesus, the son. And he's telling him, you are a priest forever, like Melchizedek, out of his order, out of his group, right? Like an order. Think of like Knights Templar, like a, an, a king, like an order is like a group, you know, like a line, a lineage. Right. And he's saying, you're going to become out of that order. Super weird still, right? Like what? Where, where did David even get this? Why is he talking about this special priest, Melchizedek, who has like four verses in Genesis? And he's saying G- the, the son, the savior, the Messiah is going to be like him. Super weird. And then the last place it comes up, Any qu- stop me along the way, Brother Evan, if you have questions. No, I'm going to let you roll through here a little bit. Okay, so Hebrews 7. I'm actually preaching on this this Sunday, so it was awesome to pick this to do. <laughs> I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in, in Hebrews, I think it's up to verse 7, it was like four different times that that same line is either directly quoted or pretty close to say, for you are a priest after the order of Melchizedek, speaking of Jesus. So the the author of Hebrews, who is speaking to people who know their Torah or their Old Testament, their, their Tanakh, he uses this Melchizedek figure a lot, like a whole lot. And he keeps saying, you're like Melchizedek, Jesus is like Melchizedek, Jesus is like Melchizedek. And then in ver- chapter 7, he's going to go on for verses 1 to like a, 10, he's going to talk about how great Melchizedek was. And here's the things he says about Melchizedek. He says, he was the king of Salem priest of the Most High, we know that, met Abraham after returning from the slaughter of the kings, and he blessed him. 
and to Abram, to him, Abram apportioned a tenth of everything, all this stuff we already knew. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness, right? So he's saying he's the king of righteousness, and he's also the king of Salem, the king of peace. So Christians should be hearing things like, oh, I know who this king of righteousness, mm-hmm. who this king of peace is. And now this is weird. It says, he is without a father or a mother or a genealogy. That's that point I pointed out to you, right, where I said yeah. it doesn't have a genealogy. This could be literal, or it could be saying he kind of shows up out of nowhere. It right. could be saying either one. We don't know. But then it says this, he has no beginning of days nor end of life. Also weird. Is it literal? Is it not? Don't know. But resembling the son of God, he continues a priest forever. He's still a priest? What is going on with this guy, right? Yeah. Like, who is he? Lots of cool, like, cool things going on here. One of the things that's crazy is the son of God comes after him, like chronologically in the story, right? At least Jesus does. And he's going to say, but he says Melchizedek resembles Jesus. He did not say Jesus resembled Melchizedek, which is weird. Mm-hmm. You know, like it feels like almost like he got it backwards. And then keep going. He says, see how great this man was. Like from a chapter, from a verse, like or two verses. He was so great that Abram gave, Abraham gave the patriarch, the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi who receive the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people. That is from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. This is technical stuff. We're not going to get too into that. But this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. So here's what he's saying. Trying to nerd out a little bit. (laughs) Levi and his tribe are the ones through whom the priests have to come. Right. That's like a law of the Old Testament. That's where Aaron and his children are the priests. They call it the Aaronic or the Levitical priesthood. And he's saying, they take tithe. That makes sense because that's what God told them to do. But this other man, who is not a Levite, he took tithes from Abraham and he blessed him. He did, he did superior things. It says, it's beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. That's what it says in verse 7. So it's saying he's actually above Abraham somehow, this Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men. But in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. So he's saying this guy is way better than Levi. And not a mortal, it it suggests in verse 8, in the one case, tithes are received by a mortal man, but in the other, one who who lives. Like, maybe he's not mortal. (laughs) And then it's going to go on to compare Jesus to this guy. So any questions so far? That's who Melchizedek is. Like he's this weird character. Yeah. No, I'm just, well, I'm trying not to ask too many questions because like I had said right before we got into all this, I didn't, I knew the character, but didn't know anything about him. Uh, It was kind of one of those verses I just glanced over and never put a lot of thought into. But so before doing this episode, I started doing a little bit of research. So I'm trying not to like jump the gun on like theories and stuff like that yet because we're saving that towards the end. So I'm trying to kind of like watch what I say because I don't want to give I don't want to give too many spoilers ahead of time, but yeah, it's just one of those verses. The more you start to pick at it, the more confusing it gets. Not confusing, just like bewildering <laughs> that it gets on who this guy is or who this character is. It just feels like as you pull at each thread, like less and less lines up perfectly to be like, oh, this is exactly who this guy is. Like the mystery, right? just, weird. the mystery just gets deeper the more you look at it. Yeah, it's weird. So let's talk about what we know know. Like, what do we really know about Melchizedek? Well, we know he's a priest, we know he's a king, and we know he's righteous. Now, righteous in the Bible doesn't always mean 
perfect. Mm-hmm. In fact, we are righteous by the way of Jesus conduct, but righteous can also be used to mean like generally followed the Lord. That's, it can mean that, right? It doesn't mean perfectly righteous. So it could mean that it might not, but we know that he was a righteous priest or a king of righteousness. We know that he's somehow greater than Abraham, at least in some way. Now you can be greater than someone in lots of different ways, right? Like I'm greater than you when it comes to age, right? Like I'm before you, you could think I'm your elder, right, I'm your right. superior in seniority, but like if it came to math, you are greater than me. Like you're much better than me at math. It's your job, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, you could, how is someone greater? It could be lots of different ways. We don't totally know, all right? It doesn't necessarily mean like in value or in the totality, but it could. We know that he's like Jesus or Jesus is like him. And we don't know much else, <laughs> honestly, other than what we read here. So here's what something I'm actually preaching a little bit about this on Sunday at our church, City Light Church in Delco, if anyone lives in the Philadelphia area. <laughs> nice plug. Yeah, I got to work it in there. I'm preaching about that the Bible is crystal clear about the things it intends to be crystal clear about. Mm. And it's crystal clear about the most important things. It's not equally clear about everything. And some things it doesn't even speak to, right? The Bible doesn't tell us about the the structure of an atom, right? It doesn't tell us anything about right. that because it's not what it intends to do, right? It's not the point of the text. The point is to tell us about Jesus and how we are saved, right? Salvation and godliness. That's the point of the Bible. It's to tell Jesus' story and to show us how to find life in him and to glorify him. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't tell us about that. Dinosaurs is another weird one. Going back to your Michele Membe thing, right? Like, are dinosaurs there? I don't, there, there's some places they might be. Right. But it's not going to tell us, like, here's a taxonomy of all the creatures that ever lived. <laughs> right. Doesn't do that. Let, those are obvious. But there's also things like, what did the fish look like? What kind of fish was it that ate Jonah? I don't know. The point is not, well, it was this kind of fish, and this is how it worked out physiologically that a person could live in the stomach. Was it a miracle, or was it just like a... I mean, it was definitely a miracle, but did it? what happened there? We right. don't know. That's not the point. The point is that he was swallowed by a fish and God used this to save him and then to point to Jesus through Jesus being like Jonah, which we'll talk about in a second. So that's the point of that one. And likewise, with Melchizedek, the point is not who he is. The point is that Jesus is like him. That's the point. And he's like him in the very specific ways that the Bible tells us he's like him, right? Like he says, right. this is who Melchizedek is in these specific ways so that we can then point to Jesus. That's the point. Mm-hmm. So before we go too far, I don't want to make a big deal about like, oh, we got to know the exact identity of this guy. It's really fun. And we're going to definitely go there <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> the point though of scripture is that Jesus is like him in that he's righteous. He's before Abraham. He's is better than the Levitical priesthood. That's actually one of the major points here. Um, and that he reigns forever. That's the part that is important. Right, those are kind of the big ones. Yeah, it's a really cool way of the Old Testament pointing to Jesus. Exactly. And so that you just led into a really great point here. <laughs> we need to understand to understand Melchizedek, we need to understand something called types. Mm. A type or is like a shadow or a you've heard the term probably of a prototype. Right? That's like the first type. A type is something that points to something else. Right? It it shows what something else is like. That's my layman's definition for biblical stuff. I'm going to give you a couple of examples, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so the Bible in the Old Testament speaks about Jesus through lots of different ways. Sometimes it's pro- prophecy. Sometimes it's directly showing the sun working in the Old Testament. We know that the angel of the Lord shows up from Matt Foreman's episode with us. But he also speaks, the Old Testament also speaks to Jesus in types and shadows. 
And so an example would be the story of Abraham and Isaac. If our, our readers are are from a Judeo-Christian background, they've probably heard the story. Abraham is called to to see if he will trust the Lord. He has to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, his promised son. Right? And he takes him up. You probably had the little kid's story Bible. Takes him up on the, the mountain, and he's about to sacrifice him. And what happens? Well, the angel says, stop, right? You know the story. Everybody, yep. not everybody, but our, a lot of people do. And then what's in the... What does he find? He finds a ram, and God says, I'll provide the sacrifice. Here's a ram in place of your son. Okay, that story is not just a cute story about trusting the Lord. It's not less than that. You should trust the Lord. But that story is about, think about this for a second. A good father loads up the back of the horse, or the donkey, right, and parades his son into this place, and they carry wood up a hill, and the father is about to sacrifice his only son. This should sound like Jesus and God the Father. But in the human, he doesn't sacrifice his son because God provides a ram in his place or a lamb. And so this story, when Jesus dies, we should be hearing this story. And when we read it, knowing what happened to Jesus, this is a story about how Abraham's son walks free because God the Father's son died in his place. That's a type. See how that points to Jesus? You get what I'm saying, Brother Evan? Yep. Uh, we'll do one more. How about David and Goliath? That's a classic story that I know everyone knows on this podcast. Yeah, and say, if you watch sports, they talk about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The David and Goliath story. That story often gets talked about as how we are supposed to trust God and then we can face our giants and knock down the competition or whatever. <laughs> like God will be with us in a fight and we can do great things. Again, it's not not that, right? Those things are really, those are definitely in there. Those kind of themes, trusting the Lord, but it's so much more. Because what happens in this story is there's an enemy who looks like it cannot be beaten. A giant that is sh- striking terror in Israel, which Israel is God's people, right? And there's, there's an earthly king who looks like he should be able to win this battle. The, the king Saul, who was like, it said, head, he was almost a giant in his own right. Not quite, but he was just a big hawking dude. He's shaking in his boots. God's people are shaking in their boots. And then the, a shepherd comes along stands in the place of God's people and conquers an enemy that they had no chance of conquering on their own. I'll take it even a step further. He then go, once he knocks down, he, you know, you know, the story, the slingshot, he knocks down Goliath. He goes and he takes the enemy's own weapon and uses it against him because he takes off his sword and cuts off the head of Goliath. Well, if you're listening here, we just had a story about a shepherd king who stands in the place of his people and defeats an enemy they had no chance of defeating by using their own weapon against them. That's Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Like he stood in place of his people. He defeated the enemy of sin and death using death on a cross to defeat them, right? And he was the king nobody expected, whereas all the people, all of our best works are like Saul, can do nothing against God. So that's a type. You track in, I, I know you already know this because you yeah, had a really and- good pastor for a few years in Delco. <laughs> I was his pastor for a few years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I won't say anything to that. You got <laughs> enough going to your head. I don't need to, to add to that. But uh, no, it's I, those are great examples of it. And also, just as a little like side note to it, a lot of these stories we hear as kids in the Bible are way crazier and way more like words I won't say on our podcast uh, <laughs> as far as just being just like bad. We'll bad say bad. Dudes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll <laughs> leave the second word out. Yeah. Like, just what is going on there? Like, there's a lot more happening than in your children's storybook Bible. 
Um, again, the main thing's the main thing on that, but there's a lot of a lot of color uh, in in what's going on there. Yeah, absolutely. And so Melchizedek is meant to be a type for Christ in the Old Testament, and that's the way the author of Hebrews uses him very heavily. I think I can go back now and read the second part of Hebrews 7 when he compares Jesus and Melchizedek. It says this, Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? Because it's important to know, this is not aside from the text, Jesus is not a Levite. So he doesn't have a claim to priesthood through Aaron, which is kind of a big deal. It's actually something mm-hmm. I've heard that some of the the Jew, the early Jewish converts to Christianity had a problem with. Like, you're saying he's a priest, but he's not even a, a Levite. Mm. Um, so going back in the text, it says, For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. He's saying things changed up here, and because there's a new priest, the old law about it having to be a Levite doesn't apply. And he says, For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirement, blah, 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 (laughs) for it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever. Oh, sorry, that was actually an important, I shouldn't have blah, 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 that. (laughs) He says you became a priest because of the power of an indestructible life, because he didn't, he beat death. He says you, for it is witnessed by him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, Uh, Melchizedek, for on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of the weakness, and it keeps going on just to say Jesus is better than the Old Testament priests for so many different ways because he's like Melchizedek. So the whole point of Melchizedek in Scripture, at least the primary, was to set the tone for what Jesus was going to be like. Mm -hmm. Any questions about all of this so far? Because all we really have left are fun theories about it. Yeah, I say that's what I'm like getting excited to get into but uh, i will say too just so you know after you had to uh, throw out there hide such a good pastor in delco for a few years i'm leaving in all those awesome mouth noises you're making and uh, yeah, stumbles yeah. in there yep i'm leaving them in uh the recording <laughs> that's fine. so that's fine <laughs> gotta bring you down a few pegs that's fine <laughs> um i was talking about pastor matt oh well, he was oh, at, at that yeah. was in uh maniunk but uh, oh sorry sorry my bad <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's get to who what, what we all want to come for. That, that's the true good, good stuff, goodest. Wow, yes. man, I'm really on point today. Is that he's like, Jesus is like Melchizedek. Melchizedek is like Jesus. And that's really fun. I don't mean to say that's not fun. Right. But it's okay, I think. I think it's actually good to sometimes speculate about the things the Bible isn't quite as clear on, as long as we remember we're speculating. And keeping it within the confines of what the Bible says. A hundred percent. Not wandering outside of it. Right. That. As long as we are within what the Bible says, I think it's actually kind of, it's a way that we, we grow in our imagination of how great God is. For instance, like, I don't think we think of heaven enough as Christians. I want to know what heaven's going to be like. The Bible gives me a lot of things, but a lot of it's unclear. I like to, I want to meditate on what it might actually be, like how crazy it might be. Like how yeah. awesome is the new life going to be like? That speculation's not bad. And so we're going to speculate a little bit about who this Melchizedek guy might be. And I, again, here's the big thousand foot disclaimer. These are all speculations. So if anyone tells you any of these is the answer and like a litmus test for Christianity, they're wrong. <laughs> Faithful Christians believe 
various versions of this. So let's jump in. The first and probably the most common or one of the most common theories is that Melchizedek is just a human king. I think this is the most boring one, but it's out there. Yeah. Right. And it fits somewhat. Right. He's he's just a human king that loved Yahweh. And who says there weren't priests before Aaron? Right. Like that's kind of one of those things the Bible's silent about. It's just the first priest we know of. Right. I had a professor at my school one time use Melchizedek to say, because I said, what was like before the laws given and before the, the Torah is written, how were people worshiping Yahweh? And he said, well, it seems like they just knew that they were supposed to give sacrifices to him. If you look at like even Genesis, I think it's four is Adam and Eve or not Adam and Eve, um, Cain and Abel. They're giving sacrifices right to the Lord. And it almost seems like they just knew to do that. There's not like a command, hey, give some sacrifices. You know what I mean? So right. maybe there were already people doing this. And he said, you know, Yahweh worship was just passed down from generation to generation. Here's how you love Yahweh. And so maybe there was a priest that was doing that in God's kind of hometown, so to speak, mm-hmm. of Jerusalem, Salem. Could be. Could absolutely be. I think unlikely. <laughs> because when we look at some of the stuff we read about Melchizedek in Mm -hmm. Hebrews 7, right? It says, he has no father or mother or genealogy, no beginning of days or end of life. He's like Jesus, and he continues a priest forever. That doesn't sound like a human to me, right? right? Like a purely human priest or king. Now, again, the people that hold to this view say, well, yeah, they don't mean literally. Right. They're saying like, just like he kind of popped onto the scene, it's like he has no beginning or no end. It's more so like, when we talked about him in Genesis, we didn't bring up his lineage. Yeah, we and so they say, but Jesus really has no beginning or end. Right. You know, so he's better because it's not just hidden, it's real. But it talks about him being better than Abraham. It says, it kind of says like, well, one guy, get these Levites are mortal men. It doesn't say, but the other one is not a mortal man. It just says he lives. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, that's weird. Like, to me, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a human. Plus, Shout out to Pastor Mark at our our Manion congregation, which is the, the church planted that planted us. He says one of his favorite hermene- hermeneutic approaches, which hermeneutics just means how do we read the Bible? Like how do we decide what which one to go on is when in doubt, go with the one that's more metal. <laughs> and he's just a man is not very metal. <laughs> so I don't lo- I don't love that one. And I do think. And in all seriousness, I think there's some things here. And I, I always lean for a lit- more literal interpretation if I don't have a reason not to. And so, mm-hmm. like, the he has no beginning or end, beginning of days nor end of life, I think is a little bit more like, hmm, what is this? Now, you'll see in a second, my own theory falls short on that one a little bit. So that's the first one. And, then, and probably the most common. The second, and also pretty common, is that he's actually Jesus. That this was, well, not Jesus, because Jesus is his name when he becomes a human. He's the son. He's the second person of the Trinity. The angel of the Lord, maybe? The angel of the Lord, maybe. Yes. (laughs) Same guy. That this is an appearance of the angel of the Lord also. And Melchizedek is not a name necessarily. It's just he's the king, right? The king of right, the righteous king coming in. One of our guests, Doug Van Dorn, that's the view he holds to. That this is, this is actually Jesus the son coming before he's Jesus. Their book, by the way, Matt and and Doug Van Dorn's book, Angel of the Lord, this is an appendices in that book about Melchizedek. So I got a lot of my information from that, to be honest. 
and I'm actually pulling it up right now because he gives some of his reasons why Melchizedek might be Jesus. Basically, he says, Psalm 110 is a psalm about the Messiah. And the Lord seems to be talking about, he's definitely talking to Jesus and he's calling him a king. And then he talks about Melchizedek, who's a king. So he's talking about, these are the same person is what he's saying. A lot of what he has comes from Psalm 110. But then in Hebrews 7, which we read, he says, he just uses things like that he's a priest forever. And the only one who's a priest continually is Jesus, right? He continues forever. That's linked to Melchizedek. He's not a mortal man. Some of those things we already said, that he, it answers some of the questions about that a human king doesn't really answer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's the second. Those are the two most common. You're not in danger of apostasy if you believe either of those, right? Like, so... Right. Just to be very clear, like these are not like people who are like, well, that guy's a heretic because he thinks Melchizedek was Jesus. No, you're not. And the Jesus one definitely passes the metal test a little bit more. Yeah. Right. Like it's pretty cool. <laughs> then the last two, I'm going to push together a little bit because they're nuances, I think, of the same one. There's probably others. These are the three I'm familiar with most. And that is that he is the high priest of the heavenly temple a.k.a. a son of God, lowercase, like we've talked about in Divine Council, mm-hmm. or a, an angel, right? One of the sons of God. And we know, because Hebrews 8 tells us later, that there is a heavenly temple that the earthly temple was always supposed to point to. And that's why Jesus, or not Jesus, God gives so many clear instructions about what the earthly temple and tabernacle were supposed to be like. It says this in, in Romans, or not Romans, Hebrews 8. It says, they serve, he's talking about the priests, a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent or the tabernacle, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you. Basically he's saying he had to make it perfect because it was supposed to look like the one in heaven. So there's like a heavenly geography almost here. Like there's like a... <laughs> There's a way that the temple, there is a temple in heaven. You mean architecture? Architecture. So geography? Architecture. <laughs> but like, I meant more like there is, it does seem like there's words that connote like space and time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got you. You know, in heaven. And so, yeah, that is there. And it says that not only is that, but like the priesthood was a copy of what was happening in heaven. Right? Now, the whole point of, or one of the whole points of Hebrews is that Jesus becomes the high priest. Right, So we know Jesus is the high priest right now Mm -hmm. in that heavenly temple. But it's this weird story of like, who was serving before Jesus? Was there no high priest or was there another high priest who Jesus takes over for because he's better? Mm. Now, if you're reading Hebrews and you're reading about this Melchizedek guy, sounds like maybe Jesus is sort of like him and takes over his job, right? So my thought is that Jesus or Melchizedek was the heavenly priest of the temple of God in the heavenly temple. That's why he can accept a tithe. That's why he's the, pri- mm. he's the priest of the most high, all of those things. And when Jesus comes, he's after that order. That's the lineage that Hebrews is trying to say is he's like that. He's a heavenly priest, not an earthly, ironic priest. The, the second side is people say that maybe something similar to that, that he was the archangel Michael. And I don't have mm. a lot of the evidence of why people say that. It's out there. There is some evidence, but I don't think that's it. But that Michael is also the archangel, the head of the the 
temple. I don't know about that at all. I just think Melchizedek, whoever he was, was an angel and was the high priest of heaven before Jesus ascended and was better. Have you ever heard any of those, Brother Evan? So I've definitely heard the first two. And then the third one, I think I've heard just not going as far, uh, if that makes sense. Just kind of ending with like... That he was an angel. angel Or like a a heavenly heavenly being or something like that. So maybe not the full way to being the the high priest in the heavenly temple. Well, he almost has to be a priest. Or he right. definitely is a priest. So if you say he's an angel, what's he a priest of? You know, he I mean I think it's the or yeah, it's the heavenly. That's what temple. I mean, like I just don't think the thought went that far cuz I don't know if I've ever actually heard that one. I think that's kind of I mean, I I've, I've heard it in pieces, I guess, cuz yeah. that's kind of where my head lands um if we're diving into where we land on this. Yeah. I think the human king one makes the least sense to me. Me too. I think that's where I landed initially like before diving into it like in my earlier readings of the bible like i just kind of glanced through i didn't think about that oh he's a priest before there were priests that's weird like i never thought through it enough so i just kind of read him as a oh it's just a guy that was being very nice and took care of these guys you know what i mean like it was just a good person a good king but the more you dive into it i feel like there's just a lot that kind of unravels and not to say that it couldn't be but it just seems like there's a lot more things you got to kind of like fudge not fudge you have to be you have to accept a lot of different things to get there if that makes sense yeah with it being jesus i'd buy that more than it being a human king but the one thing that holds me up on that is in hebrews where it says resembles it doesn't say is right right exactly that seems like very intentional language there and so why would it you know i mean why would the author put resembles rather than is is that's my main hang up, I think, on it being actually Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where then I'm like, but it's not human. I'm not buying that one fully. So by default, I almost fall probably similar to, similarly to where you were saying you land. Yeah. As far as it being a spiritual high priest uh, of the heavenly temple. And one of the other things I'll say, just using the biblical evidence for why I think he's the priest of the high, te- he's not Jesus, let's put it that way, is. Hebrew, the author of Hebrews has every chance to say he is, right? He's right. like, hey, this is Jesus. This was pointing, this was, he, but he says he's like Jesus. Right. Right. He doesn't say he was Jesus. It just feels like weird language to say if like what you're trying to. It feels very like, intentional. It's not like a, oh, I just use that as like a uh, informal phrasing of yeah. it or something like that. Like, And I'll add something, by the way, this view, I had not heard of this view until our good friend, Matt Foreman, who is my friend off air too, uh, (laughs) and I were talking because I'm preaching through Hebrews, as I said a couple times, and I was like, hey man, I need you to help me with this Melchizedek stuff. Is it Jesus? Like, that's what I, I literally (laughs) texted him that. And he was like, I don't think so, but Doug does. That's what he told me. He said, (laughs) he said, I don't think so, but Doug does. And then he told me his view and sent me some resources. Um, But one of the resources he sent me, which is called... Melchizedek and Melchereza by Paul J. Kobelski, which is an academic book. It's very academic. Mm. Melchereza is the other... The so other, the one you were trying to remember earlier? Remember, yeah. And I, I don't remember what it re- means here, but he sent me some, some of that book to read. And it talks about that everyone, I think, on this show would probably know what Qumran is, the Dead Sea Scrolls. There were, there were scrolls found and a lot of information we had never had before. And they found one called... Um, I don't know how they say these, but... The words are 11 Q milk, all one word. It's one of the scrolls that was found and it's Mm. a fragment, but it speaks to kind of this idea that, that Melchizedek was a priest of the heavenly temple. 
Hmm. It's in there. And there have been some serious academics, not just like armchair academics, who have suggested that this was a popular book because the dating, that this is what Hebrews 7 is drawing on, is some of these types of, not that this book is scripture, kind of like we said with Enoch. This book is not scripture. This mm-hmm. It's from another story called, I forget what they called it, but it's from another kind of outside of scripture story about Melchizedek that would have been popular maybe at the time. And they're saying that the author of Hebrews 7 was aware of this and using some of those metaphors mm. in his writing. Like he's writing, he's definitely not writing to, to dissuade us, if that's a word, um, <laughs> from that idea that it's not a, that he's not a heavenly being priest. And so I thought that was pretty interesting too. I do want to give a couple quick sources. That's one source. Honestly, Wikipedia, people hate on Wikipedia. But if you scroll, if you look at Melchizedek and scroll down to in Judaism, it talks about that stuff too. And okay. it's under there with sources. You know, it gives you some of the sources at the side or at the bottom. And so there's commentaries and things that say this is who Melchizedek is. And that's one of the options it gives on there. And then there's a book called it's by davia davila but pastor matt foreman told me it is from yeah it's from a book by davila can't find the title of the book because he sent me it's a google books like link so it doesn't it just has sections of it but it's the end of his book too and matt foreman's book tells us about it too okay well there you go just go get that listeners (laughs) yeah so i was gonna say that's it with with Melchizedek, but I, there was one other little theory that I don't think is really worth discussing all that much, but just so people know if they ever hear about it. And that is that Melchizedek was Shem. And if you're like, who the heck is Shem? Shem was or was the son of, of Noah, one of the sons of Noah. There were three sons, if you know the story of Noah, mm-hmm. that got on the boat with him. Remember, these people lived a long time back then. Shem would have been 465 at the time he met Abram, and Abram was 75. And that's that comes from some other like weird texts and things and uh, just some rabbinic literature that says that Hmm. it was Shem. And Shem is important in the Jewish culture because uh, like the word Semite, you know, like a Semite Mm -hmm. is a Jewish person comes from like Shemite. Um, It's from the same root. So if you never wondered why is it anti-Semitism or Semites or Semitic languages, it comes from Shem, his name. I didn't know that. Now you know. The more you know. Exactly. Now, if you can insert a little cool sound and a rainbow, <laughs> audio rainbow. Um, yeah, that's the only other real theory that I had. There's, there's others, but I, that is one that gets around there sometimes that I've, I've heard. I've never more heard than that once. one. Um, I don't know of any, especially Protestant, but I don't think Catholic either, uh, Christian scholars that take that very seriously, that it's Shem. Yeah. Anything, any thoughts, last thoughts on, on Melchizedek for you, Brother Evan? Uh, just to kind of point out, and I don't know if drive home is the right phrase for it, but it's what I'm going to use. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of cool to see, like, this is a super Bible-heavy episode, yeah. which we do from time to time, and they actually tend to be some of our more listened-to episodes, but it's just kind of cool to see how weird the Bible gets with some yeah, of this stuff. Like, right? It can compete with, like, the Bigfoots and the aliens of the world as far as, like, what is this? And nobody agrees exactly on what it is. And there's like all this mystery around it. And it's from a few verses. Like it's not even that many verses in scripture. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we put together an episode that's maybe a little over an hour and you could go way deeper. I mean, you have whole books and stuff on it. Yeah. It's just really cool to see. And like, 
just kind of a plug for like read your bibles exactly <laughs> whether you're a christian or not um even if you're not a christian there's a lot of interesting weird things in there yeah so check it out read your bible it's awesome yeah like and- even just from a like mysterious wonderful type of viewpoint on it it's really cool stuff in there yeah and it's you know it's kind of crazy you can tell we talk about this stuff a lot because like we kind of just not skipped over because it was where we landed but like this is an angel who ministered before god who came to the earth and met a human out on like a battlefield and like (laughs) took some bread and wine with him and then jesus later takes over his spot like that's weird you know like and there's a temple in heaven that's doing whatever i don't you know whatever we're doing on the temple on earth in some sense you know like because it says this was right. given to you to show you what's going on up here but i don't think they were killing ran- i don't know like it's just weird like what is exactly happening here and we know that it pointed to later where jesus would be the sacrifice that's made for the sins of the people not a blood of goats or whatever other sacrifice it would be it's just weird it, it's cool and as always we 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 want you to not get hung up on these things. We do these. Right. We talk about these things because they're interesting. They're fun. They get us into the Bible. But we really want our listeners to, to just like the, we said earlier, the Bible tells us the main thing. We want to keep the main thing, the main thing in our lives. These are fun to talk about. This is our episode of your week. But spend most of your time looking at Jesus yes. and seeing that whoever Melchizedek was, Jesus is better and greater and lasts forever. Um, and that's who Melchizedek pointed to pointed to right like don't so don't get hung up on the sign i heard a, a pastor say that before like nobody drives to orlando to take a whole bunch of pictures of the disney world sign right you might take one but you go to disney world you go to, to orlando to go to disney world not to go to the disney world sign right, right. so it's likewise don't go to the bible to find to obsess over melchizedek go obsess over jesus yeah so just wanted to add that there anything else on the topic of melchizedek brother evan just one other thing I want to say to it, too, is just, like, with the human king version of theory and stuff like that, like, I think that's just the view I used to always take on a lot of things in the Old Testament. Yeah. And the more we do this podcast, I'm finding that those are the views that I tend to shy away from more. And it's just kind of interesting to see how supernatural the Bible really is in a lot of those things and, like, my view on how the spiritual world interacts with our physical world it's just been kind of a cool journey for me being a part of the podcast i know how i read the bible and just kind of again it adds color to it it's not changing what i'm getting out of it as far as the gospel sure but it's just kind of shifting my my worldview of how i read the bible and how much more that's actually being added to it and more i'm taking away from it so that's just been a really kind of side note of my own personal journey in these last 20 episodes we've done. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear that because that's part of my goal in this episode is to get, or not episode, this whole podcast is to get people to think of things a little bit outside the box to kind of realize your assumptions. You know, we have assumptions or the fancy word is presuppositions, things we already believe mm-hmm. that we don't know we do. And, and just know that you have them. You have a slant, you have a bias in a certain direction, whether you realize it or not. For most of us as Western 21st century people, it's a very humanistic, naturalistic slant that we are probably mm-hmm. leaning into. And so if I can get people to listen and read the Bible with a little bit more of a supernatural lens, that's a, a small win for me. You know, obviously the win is to get you to love Jesus, but I'll yeah. also, well, that's a start. <laughs> if we see that the Bible is very supernatural and that that's probably the reality we live in is a much more supernatural reality. 
than we yeah, can see. It's, so, it's been cool. It's yeah. been really cool. But uh, all that to say, though, thanks for being back, Pastor yeah, Andy, and this week. It was uh, nice to kind of sit back and be a little bit of a student. Yeah. Well, I'm preaching this. So, like I said, I actually had a lot of info on this one, more though, more even than normal, because I was get got to read a lot of this stuff for my my quote unquote real job, right? Like my <laughs> my day job was reading this stuff this week and last week, and I'm doing a lot of study in Hebrews right now. And again, give some shout outs here. Check us out on citylightdelco.com is our church website. You can listen to all my sermons on there. Not promise they're all great, but they all point to Jesus. I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And so you can listen to what we've been saying about Hebrews. Also, just remember our podcast social media, uh, Facebook is is kind of the primary we've been living on lately. Liturgy and lore. Uh, no ampersands on anything. That's like a we can make a t-shirt. No ampersands. <laughs> um, and same thing on Twitter. You can tell your friends about us. You can email us at liturgyandlore at gmail.com. Ask us any questions. Keep an ear out for the merch that's coming out. I got some good responses from it in the test run, wearing it around uh, seminary. So yeah, I'll give one more shout out. Why not? We're giving shout outs. Check out Grim Key Seminary if you want. Uh, we we kind of adopted this semester a new unofficial slogan, and it's cheaper than all, better than most. Um, so <laughs> that's the new slogan. Cheaper like than that. all, better than most. Come check out Grimke Seminary. Again, I don't get paid to do any of that. I just really do love them. Yeah, stop giving the ad space away for free, hey, man. No, I'll give that one for free <laughs> all day. So, Brother Evan, anything else you want to push or say or uh, talk about uh, before just, we go? Hey, I'm waiting, uh, waiting for my swag to show up at the door. Heck yeah. Um, I didn't realize that it was actually, I saw the pictures, but I didn't know it was being worn out in the wild yet. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to, to at least get my test run that I can start wearing proudly. I'm excited about that. So shout out to your wife. Thank you very much. I uh, will also shout out her friend Leah who made the first, like literally made the first couple. My wife designed them. Her friend Leah made them to, to just try a few first. So thank you to Leah too. Yes, thank you to those two wonderful women. And as always, thanks, Rob Lowe.